Your program helps point me to Jesus and not look back. William in West Virginia. I'm Charles Morris here with Haven Today. So many people find this program and tell us the significance in their life with Christ. We are eight days away from the end of our fiscal year. Your tax-deductible year-end gift will help us meet our budget and keep sharing Jesus with Christians and non-Christians alike. May we count on you to help meet our goal? A new year? A new you? How many resolutions have you made for this new year? Studies say 80% of us will fail to keep our resolutions by next month. A little depressing. So where did this new year, new you, come from? That's where many historians believe New Year's resolutions began. We also know resolutions were commonly made in ancient Rome, but now it's part of our culture to start fresh each New Year. The Bible talks of resolve and renewal, from David's plea to the Lord to renew a right spirit within me, to Paul's proclamation that believers become new creations in Christ. Change comes when we meet Jesus. No matter what resolutions we lose or keep this year, let's resolve together to spend more time with our Savior in 2023. In this way, we will receive a spirit that truly does have the power to start afresh and bring glory to God. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a best of 2022 series called The Most Reluctant Convert. I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self, and that this process goes on very far inside. One's most private wishes, one's point of view, are the things that have to be changed. That's an actual excerpt from the late C.S. Lewis from a series of talks on the BBC during World War II. Those lectures would later become his well-known book called Mere Christianity. We're thinking about his profound story this week in the program, and if we aren't careful, we could think his life was easy following his conversion. But as we just heard him say, the process of becoming more Christ-like is deeper than we can imagine. Well, in these next few minutes, we're going to consider how his conversion to Christ did not come without cost. Lewis faced scrutiny and rejection from many of his friends and colleagues at Oxford, and I think this is something that makes Lewis all the more relatable to all of us today. In a moment, we're going to hear some excerpts from the new movie on C.S. Lewis's life called The Most Reluctant Convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. And we'll also meet up with the man who brought Lewis to life in the film, Max McLean. And after the program... I want to send you a copy of this DVD for your gift to this listener-supported ministry. And could I ask for you to be as generous as possible? December 31st is only a couple of days away, and we're asking the Lord to provide what we need for this daily ministry that reaches millions all over the world. Why not pray about making a gift as generous as you can to help us meet our year-end goal? Your gift is not only tax-deductible, but even better than that. Your gift has eternal value. So call us after the program, 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit our website, 
check out the Most Reluctant Convert movie trailer, and then you can make your tax-deductible gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Now let's open the program with Rend Collective and the Joy of the Lord. Though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. Though the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will praise you. I gave in and admitted that God is God, knelt and prayed, perhaps that night the most dejected, reluctant convert in all England. We're calling our series this week The Most Reluctant Convert, and that was a short excerpt from the new movie about C.S. Lewis's conversion. It's also the title of the movie. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. And just before that, we heard Rend Collective and their song, The Joy of the Lord. And notice that we're not calling Lewis a reluctant convert. That's what he called himself. 
He is perhaps one of the greatest thinkers over the past hundred years. He was a veteran of the Great War. He was also a scholar, but he was also an atheist. And at least he was an atheist until he couldn't be any longer. He finally had to admit God is God and Christ is the Savior. And that got him into some conflict with his colleagues. C.S. Lewis was a professor at Oxford, and then later, before he died, at Cambridge. And he was there at the time that a new kind of atheism was popular. It happened to be called logical positivism. That may sound like a diagnosis to us. Well, these atheists would say that unless you could prove your religious claims to be true beyond any shadow of a doubt, then it had to be taken as false. You say Jesus is the Son of God. Can you prove that in a scientific way? No. Well, then he's not. This newer kind of atheism thought that the only way something could be true is if it would be scientifically proven to be true. Verified, as they say. The problem, of course, was that no one could scientifically verify the atheist's claim either. So their sword cut both ways. But that didn't stop them from discrediting C.S. Lewis when he decided to turn to Christ. How could he prove his conversion? How could he now prove that God is God, that Christ is the Son and the Savior? What scientific data did he now have? None. But Lewis had experienced something special, joy. I want you to listen how Lewis tells the story in the film, The Most Reluctant Convert. The memory was from childhood, when my brother brought the lid of a biscuit tin, garnished with twigs and flowers to make a toy garden. It was the first beauty I had ever known, a sensation of desire. But before I knew what I desired, the desire was gone, withdrawn, the world turned common again. Since then, my constant endeavor was to get it again, in reading every book, going on every walk, listening to every piece of music. Occasionally, the sky would turn. Far more often, I frightened it away by my greed to have it. I call this desire joy, which must be distinguished very sharply from happiness or pleasure, except that anyone who has ever experienced joy will want it again. Apart from that, it might be called a particular kind of grief. But then it's the kind we want. It is the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we've not heard, news from a country we have not yet visited. Though I doubt that anyone who has ever tasted joy would exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. But joy is never in our power. And pleasure is. A scene from The Most Reluctant Convert where Max McLean plays an older C.S. Lewis looking back on his life and journey to Christ Max will be joining me here in just a moment. Lewis could not prove that God was real in any scientific way, but he had found joy, true joy, for the very first time. 
and he finally found the fulfillment of his longings in Christ. His colleagues made fun of him. Many of his friends rejected him, but Lewis knew his Lord, and the joy he had in Christ was worth pursuing, even if it cost him respect among his peers. The early Christians knew all about that. They were not living in a time of scientific proofs and verifying religious claims through science, but when they came to faith in Christ, they also received backlash in their communities. For many Jewish believers, if you turned to Christ, you were considered no longer a Jew. So the early Christians had to leave the synagogues and the temple when it was still standing and form their own communities. It must have hurt to leave the world they knew behind, but the joy they had found in Christ overflowed, and you see it on display throughout the book of Acts. Acts 2.42 tells us the entire Christian community devoted themselves to fellowship and sharing life together as they worshiped the Lord and listened to the apostles' teaching. Acts 4 tells us they were all of one heart and mind as they shared everything they had to make sure there were no believers suffering around them. They were captivated by the joy they had found in Christ. The rejection of their people didn't stop them from finding joy in the Lord and pursuing his kingdom with all their lives. C.S. Lewis had experienced that joy, and the rejection of his peers didn't stop him from finding the joy of Christ. He went on to write some of the most insightful works about living your life as a Christian, but thinking it through and having a reasonable answer to anyone who might ask what this hope is that you've found. The Christians, back in the early days of the beginning of the church in Acts, didn't stop preaching the gospel and helping the poor, and people noticed that. Many turned to Christ because of their faithful witness. And then in the 20th century, in Lewis's day, many people came to Christ because of his faithful witness. But that was then. More and more people today have not heard of Lewis, or if they have, they just know him as the author of the children's books. They don't know that C.S. Lewis was a Christian thinker, an apologist. Well, recently, I spoke with Max McLean and asked him about Lewis and what he means for us today. Uh, All told, his publishers have sold a quarter of a billion books. (laughs) Uh, but what's really alarming about that number is most of those books have been uh, published and sold after his death. Mm. That doesn't happen very much. Mm. Uh, that's a rare occurrence in publishing. Uh, and it's very likely that he sold more books this year than he did last year and will probably sell more books next year than he does this year. That's because... Uh, he captures people's imaginations. Mm. He, uh, that's where, you know, he, he, he says something that, that, uh, that has really struck me. He says, uh, the imagination is the organ of meaning. Reason is the organ of truth. And he makes a separation. He says, because unless an idea, and this is really at the core of Lewis's writing, unless an idea captures the imagination, it's not going to trigger the kind of, of impulses that is going to make you want to invest time and thought to figuring it out 
you know, that's where the rationality comes in. That's where the deep, deep work comes in. So Lewis does both. He captures your imagination with his stories and his vivid illustrations and his magnificent use of language. And then he has the dialectic to rigorously support it and uh, defend it. Mm. Uh, and I think no one does it better, in my opinion. And that's why uh, people, both uh, people who believe in the Lord Jesus and those who are unbelievers, still respect the the quality of his the of his uh, immense uh, his learnedness. I mean, he was so known for how learned he was, even for those people who opposed him. And many people did oppose him. You know, yes. he was not, uh, uh, he had a lot of enemies at, at Oxford and Cambridge that, uh, that really thwarted his uh, academic career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did not like the fact that uh, he was a Christian apologist. They thought that was beneath what a Oxford Don should be doing on the side. Uh but Kept Lewis, him from getting a professorship at Oxford. It, yes, it did. It, that's right. Finally, only the end of his life at Cambridge, the last yeah, they, few years. He, and then what was interesting, as soon as he accepted the one at Cambridge, Oxford offered, uh, offered him one. But he did take but it he didn't after take all it. that no, time. Because he was a man of his word. Max McLean in New York City, sharing about the relevance of C.S. Lewis still today. Isn't it interesting that even Lewis suffered for standing up for Christ? His academic cohorts didn't like him being bold for Jesus. And I think this is another reason why Lewis is so relatable for us today. He can help us think about our faith, to find real reasons for why we believe, and a way to explain to those who may have rejected us for our faith. Above all, Lewis shows us that finding joy in Christ is nothing to be embarrassed about. Christ called us to have faith and then to find joy and hope in his gospel. And we don't have to shy away from that reality in our daily lives. We can honor our Lord Jesus wherever we are, because, in fact, he goes with us and sustains us, even in the midst of hardship. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. That's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment, hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. When I've lost my direction You're the compass for my way You're the fire and light When nights are long and cold In sadness You are the laughter That shatters all my fears When I'm all alone Your hand is there to hold Hold Jesus, you're the 
Classic from way back in 1987, not that long ago in my book, Richard Smallwood and the Center of My Joy. And I'm so grateful we were able to share more of this interview that we did with Max McLean back in June of this year. If you'd like to hear the extended interview that I did with Max, check out the Great Stories podcast, and you can learn more at haventoday.org. Or visit your favorite podcast location and search for Great Stories with Charles Morris. There are a lot of movies out 
in the theaters now, even more on streaming services. But if you want a movie that will entertain but point you to the great story of Jesus, then look no further than The Most Reluctant Convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. This well-made movie pulls back the curtain to reveal Lewis's early life, his conversion to Christ. Let me say it's told in a very unique and compelling way that you'll be hooked when you first start watching it. And as you watch, I know your faith will be inspired. But I also know it would be a great movie to share with someone else who's struggling with their faith. C.S. Lewis's Journey to Christ is a much-needed reminder the gospel never, never, never stops working. And as December 31st is only a couple of days away, let me remind you that we're 100% supported by listeners like you. We don't have a large endowment. We don't have a massive organization behind us to keep us propped up. For nearly 89 years, the Lord has used a friend like you to help us keep sharing the great story. Why don't you call us right now? But before calling right now, pray about making a generous year-end gift. And we'll send you, with our thanks, the most reluctant converts on DVD. Our number is 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or watch the movie trailer on our website. You can make your gift then and there at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? Wow, the new year's going to be here soon. But come back as we again share together the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Being forgotten is one of our greatest fears. Did you ever have that nightmare as a child? You were with your mom in a store before Christmas, shopping for gifts, but then you turned around and she wasn't there. Somehow you were separated, and try as you might, you just couldn't seem to find her. Had she forgotten about you? You wake up to find yourself sweating and breathing hard. But even if people forget us, we can be sure that our Lord will never abandon us. Listen to Psalm 111. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. That's our God, and that's his promise to us. Try out Anchor Devotional today in print. Visit getanchor.com.